When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you ever see a successful woman on your feed or in a magazine and think, wow, it must be nice to have it so easy? Well, think again. Behind that glossy cover or smiling face is a ton of hard work, countless failures, and endless learning experiences. I'm Rebecca Minkoff, and I'm here to tell you that success isn't a walk in the park. It takes grit, resilience, and a willingness to take risks. That's why I created Superwoman, a podcast that peels back the varnish and gets into the nitty gritty of what it takes to make it as a woman in today's world. From luminaries and game changers to women you've never heard of but should, this podcast is here to inspire you to take your next leap, no matter how daunting it may seem. We'll explore the sacrifices these women have made, the highs and lows they've experienced, and the lessons they've learned along the way. So if you're ready to be inspired and learn from some of the most successful women out there, join me on Superwomen. Together, we'll uncover the stories behind the successes and prove that with hard work, determination, and a little bit of luck, anything is possible. Pat, welcome to the podcast. Mm, I'm so glad to be with you, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we first met when you, you would cover me a lot when you were at E and then I had the honor of being on your podcast. And so now much overdue, I'm having you on mine, which Mm -hmm. I'm excited to dive into. Thank you. No, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I love your podcast. I love all the amazing women that you highlight. So it's an honor. Well, I think it's fun to tell people stories or not often, you know, some of the overlooked parts of the business that they're in or the struggles and challenges. So we'll definitely get into that. I'm an open book. (laughs) That makes my job much easier. So tell me about your rise to, you know, where you, where most people began to hear of you on television. You know, how did you make, how did you decide to do that? What inspired that? Hmm. Man, I mean, what inspired that? I, I mean, I I was that little girl. Um, I grew up in Indiana, very kind of landlocked, where Hollywood and LA and New York seemed like you know galaxies away from where I was. But I was inspired by people's stories at a very young age. So I was that that little girl with a fork in my hand or a brush in my hand, like fake interviewing all my friends, annoying my family at the dinner table. I always, I guess, just had an an intrinsic curiosity about others. Um, It wasn't until, you know, God, I think I grew up watching... Oprah, of course, every day at four o'clock. I was obsessed with Katie Couric. So it wasn't really until I got into college that I realized broadcast journalism was really a possibility. Um, But even then, I was like, I was thinking local news. You know, those were my heroes, just literally people in Indianapolis, Indiana, where I was growing up. I would watch them. I thought maybe I'll be on the, the nightly news one night. I can tell people stories. So I studied broadcast journalism and then, um, you know, I'll try to make a really long story short, but a, an agent from New York 
saw me on TV in Indiana when I was like 21 years old. And and he sought me out and, and said, you know, what are your dreams? Like, what do you really want to do? And no one had ever asked me that because I, I didn't have family in the business. I didn't know a single person in Hollywood. You know, it didn't really even occur to me that I could dream that big or that that could even be my ultimate destiny until till I was in my early 20s. And I was like, oh, wait, you're asking me what I want. Like, what do I really want? Oh, I want to do this. I want to be on entertainment tonight. I want to, you know, all these things that I guess never, I had never allowed myself to really consider. And so, you know, then I, I spent about 10 years in local news. Still at that point, I was in San Francisco for my first TV entertainment reporting job at 22, making a shit ton of mistakes. I, you know, it was that was for me really, really the the learning curve four years in San Francisco, being in the fifth biggest market and making a ton of mistakes. I was super green. I was not good, but I had this wonderful, wonderful opportunity to learn to interview people, be on live TV, um, have producers in my ear in, in an IFB. You know, I was producing my segments. I was booking my guests. I was literally doing everything A to Z, helping edit, you know, the whole span of the business. And then I had a couple kids. I mean, the story's kind of a wild one, but I was in local news for 10 years. And then that's when it occurred to me in my early 30s that I wanted more. I mean, you know, I think a lot of us feel that way at different stages of our lives, but I had done local news for 10 years. I had had enough experience. I was a new mother. I I'd had truly such a wonderful, charmed life, but I did have that itch. Like I still knew I had more to do. I had more to give. I had more to explore. So at 31 years old is when I, you know, got with my team and I said, what about, what about me? Maybe, maybe I could go to Hollywood. Maybe I could go to LA. Maybe I could be on E. I mean, that was the pinnacle at the time for red carpets and entertainment coverage around the world, literally. And um, it was about, honestly, three months after I kind of declared that that was what I wanted, that I ended up in auditions. And and six months later, I was moving my whole family from Indiana to Los Angeles. And that was really when my life took a mega, mega, mega turn. Um, it's just been different ever since. So then I ended up being on E for, you know, 12, 13 years, five days a week. So that's kind of the inspiration was, you know, wanting to be in broadcast journalism, having a passion for music and film and entertainment and art and you know, the whole bit. Um, and so it was truly, truly a dream job of all of those interests and then eventually experience all coming together and allowing me to secure a job that would allow me to do that. Was it shocking to go from somewhere like Indiana to Los Angeles for yourself and your family into the wild world of Hollywood? You know, it didn't feel like shock by the time I suppose I got here. It felt like it was almost surreal, though, because it was such a dream. You know, I mean, it, it sounds so cliche, but, you know, we literally, because I did have the stint in San Francisco, but then I went back to Indiana, had my kids there, you know. So we were coming direct from Indiana and we were coming direct from, you know, 
10 degree weather and snowy slushy winters and very gray, like flat land. And that's where my family is. And I love it. And it served me so well. And it shaped me as a young woman. All those things were great. But by the time we got here, I was like, this is where we wanted to be. It wasn't really shocking in that, you know, it was like, hell yeah. You know, it was a, it was a celebratory shift in our lives. Was it scary still? Yes, for sure. And did a lot of people say to me, are you sure you want to raise your two kids in Hollywood? Like, you know, there was a lot of that kind of in my ear, but none of that really deterred me because I was dead set on, on the opportunity before me. Um, yeah, very scary. But as a family, it wasn't really shocking in that also I had been traveling to New York and LA for work all that time to do junkets. And so I had been kind of inserted into the industry periodically throughout my career. So when you went from, you know, local TV to then full-blown national media, how did your life change and how did you sort of adjust to that? Well, I'm not going to lie. Like any working mother knows the demands were very, very real. I look back and I'm like, how did I do that juggle? Um, how you know, on the, do the juggle, <laughs> <woo-wee>. <laughs> I mean, I, I was like, did I sleep during that decade? Like when did I, I, I could, I don't even recall. Like it's, some of it is a blur for sure. I mean, luckily when my kids were young, um, I was still married to their dad um, I will say that addition, in addition to that, their father and I have co-parented ever since. So I did it because I had a support system. And you hear women say this all the time. Like without that, I would have crumbled and like dissolved like in the early days. But I had a wonderful partner at the time. When we divorced, you know, we very much co-parented. Um we still have a wonderful woman. Her name is Eugenia, who I discovered when we moved to Los Angeles. She literally was helping me with my kids when I was at work from the time my youngest was two. He is now 18. And she's still with us today, not nannying my kids, obviously, but even just once a week at my house as a housekeeper. And I know that sounds like crazy, but like she is family. And so she became family. And it's these people that that we have in our lives that allow us to do what we need to do. So I guess that, I mean, at the time, you know, you're working 12 hour days. I was traveling the world at the time. Sometimes I'd be in Brazil for a film premiere or at the Cannes Film Festival in France. You know, my job took me all over the world. I was covering the Olympics in London. It was incredible. But, um, but I was definitely burning, you know, the candle at both ends, as they say. It was, it was a lot, right? You know, I, I didn't work out. The funny thing is, I, I talk about health and fitness a lot now, but I was like, I didn't even work out for a decade because it was either work or parenting. Like, I didn't do that whole "what about me" self care thing. Like, that did not exist then. Um, unfortunately, I don't think that existed for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Right? Like how it's like you, there was a whole, I I feel like it's shifting, but I think back then, like it didn't occur to us to like put ourselves first and make sure that we're taking care of ourselves in the way that maybe we are now, because I think so many of us um, have felt the burnout of it all, that whole, that whole hustle mentality and everything. So yeah, I, I, I get, you know, most of it's a blur now looking back, but, um, but no regrets. So the one thing that really stood out to me was when you put your foot down and you said, I'm not making equal what the other male 
uh, hosts uh, are making, and this isn't cool. <laughs> I love that, Rebecca. This is not cool. This is not cool at all, basically. It's and not cool. I was like really excited for you to stand up to that and put your foot down. I was deeply disappointed in you know how the network handled it. But I would love for you to talk about that moment where you said this shit is not right and I and I'm I'm more valuable on my own. Yeah. You know, it really came so out of left field. It's it's looking back, it's been about five years now since that happened. And 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 I still obviously think about that time in my life and people ask me about that time in my life so much because it, it was definitely one of those seismic moments in my personal and professional life for sure. Um, you know, I was just working along like so many women do at their jobs every day. You know, you're showing up, you're doing the work, you got a good attitude, you do what's asked of you. You know, I... I had even gotten additional responsibility. I had picked up a brand new show, um, The Daily Pop, which was another daily show. So my my workload had actually increased. So I knew I was valuable because the network kept giving me more real estate, right? So I was working my ass off. I was actually working more in that 12th and final year than I really ever had because, you know, prior to that, it was just one show a day. It was E! News. You know, it had been the Daily 10 for a while. Um, But anyway, at that time, I was working so, so hard. And a female executive pulled me into a closed-door meeting. And she she knew that my contract was coming up at the end of the year. And I think she honestly was just doing me a solid. And she just said to me, you know, you should know that you are severely underpaid. And I was like, huh? Like, and, and by the way, that meeting was, uh, I knew something was up because, you know, she asked me to have this meeting and it, and it was like in my dressing room with the door closed and that had never happened with this executive before. So the whole thing was a little like, hmm, a bit of a head scratcher. Then she tells me that news. And at the time, you know, you're just processing that. It just kind of came up so out of left field that I, as a journalist, knew I needed answers. So then I went and got them. Um, and she was right. You know, even Jason Kennedy, who was my co-host and partner and kind of equal at the network at the time. We started the same year. We'd worked the show five days a week for 12 years. Um, we were positioned similarly in the public, you know, as far as the network goes, we'd go to all the marketing events, you know, side by side. The joke was that he was my TV husband, you know, for all intents and purposes, we were very, very apples to apples. And so he was wonderful. He told me what he made and he was right. You know, he was making actually more than double um, at the time in that final year. So I thought information's power. You go to who you got to go to. I told my team, you know, and I said, listen, I need to ask for ballpark of what this guy's making. You know, it seemed really straightforward and actually simple. However, was I pissed? Yes. Was I embarrassed? I didn't know that all those years. Of course. Um, I got pretty fired up over the issue. Um, and then a lot of different kind of things evolved out of that. You know, I, I had to decide, well, what if they don't pay me ballpark of what he's making? What am I going to do if they don't? And so a lot of people may not know in the TV industry, you know, negotiations happen kind of back and forth. It can take many months to get a contract to kind of where it needs to be. Um, and it took a while. It was about a three to six month period where my, my, 
team of agents and lawyers were kind of going back and forth with the the big wigs and like and they weren't moving basically Rebecca at the end of the day they were not moving they were barely moving and then and then, I, and then I started getting really insulted over the whole thing and really pissed off and I was angry and you know I think sometimes it takes the anger piece to really um empower you to do what has to be done you know I I, I am generally very uncomfortable in that emotion. I don't rock the boat. I, like I said, I'm a team player. Like I was, I was that like good employee. Like I, I was never, you know, hard work for them. You know, I always said yes, like all these things I, you know, dedicated my life. Like I said, I was away from my kids, you know, weeks at a time, you know, to, to be that person, to be that contributor, to be that employee there. And so, when the writing was on the wall that they just weren't going to make the move for me in the way that I needed to have them do that, um, I had to do some real soul searching. I'm like, God, I have like the best job, like this dream job. Like, but can I walk away? Should I walk away? Do I take a stand? And it was scary, but I, I consulted with a handful of wonderful females in the business that were my mentors, who I looked up to, you know, Jennifer Lawrence being one of them, Gwyneth Paltrow being one of them. And they were so kind to make time for me because I was really conflicted. Like, I, I was like, if I leave, then what? You know, am I going to be a black sheep? Am I going to be blacklisted? If I go public, am I going to be, you know, another one of those women, a part of some kind of, you know, just like, oh, don't work with her. She's going to bitch about her pay paycheck, you know, all this stuff. So at the end of the day, I just knew that if I stayed, I it would be a disservice, of course, primarily to myself, but to even the viewers, even to my colleagues. Like I would have just been bitter and I wouldn't have done my job the way I wanted to. So I left. And um and and that was kind of that phase of 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 my life for making that decision. It the the kind of, I guess, um, what I didn't expect was that after I had left it made news. I mean, I wrote a blog post about it because I wasn't permitted on air to explain why I was leaving, but I did get to share my words and my truth on my blog. And I got picked up by the media and then the rest was like, wow, I did not expect that at all, at all. And so that I wasn't prepared for, that um, it resonated with so many women on so many levels. And, you know, all I kept hearing from people was, keep fighting the fight, keep, you know, with your reach, keep, you know, you have the voice, you have the, the audience that, you know, you can make a change for all of us. And I was like, hell yeah, absolutely. And then that, you know, really became, you know, much of my purpose for that entire year after and in, in basically everything that I did. So, you know, the Time's Up movement wasn't even born until about like 10, 12 days after I left E. So the timing was just kind of, uh, I guess, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was all, the universe had it all designed anyway. I kind of believe that sometimes. You depart. What was your like, stable, okay, at least I know I can make money doing X or I have a cushion or like, what was that sort of 
security or maybe you didn't have that, that I'm like, okay, did you know exactly what you want to do in starting the podcast or were you just kind of like, I'm going to see what happens? Mm. That's a great question. Cause you know, the other question I get a lot from girls are like, or, and women are like, ah, I want to leave. I want to exit. And I'm always like, have an exit strategy, right? Like no one can just like quit their job on a Friday and hope it w- works out. And I was no different. You know, I, I did have to think about that. Of course, I, I was not married. I was a single income household. Um, and so a couple things, I, the one I would say smartest thing I did throughout my broadcasting career was pay attention to digital media and pay attention to the trends of media and knowing that things were leaning towards streaming and and digital, the digital space in general, um, I had a lot of opportunities. So I did at the time have a kind of digital manager to help me monetize some of my offerings, whether it was my blog or my Instagram or whatever. So I knew I had a little a little cushion there through some of the endorsements and commercials I did just through my social media alone. So I really always paid a lot of attention to building that community independently of E, which um, looking back was really smart. Um, and also, again, just my website, thecatwalk.com, you know, having that independent community there and really wanting to grow that. So upon leaving E, I thought, you know, of course I have to have a strategy. Of course I have to have a plan. Do I bet on my Myself. And that was very much a yes. You know, that, again, another one of my wisest friends says, do you bet on yourself? Can you do this? Can you step out and, and, and build a career alone? And the answer was, yeah, I, I do bet on me. I do. I've done this, you know, I've been in the business 20 years at this point. And so um, I didn't have, you know, a, a major like financial nest egg? No, not by any stretch. That's what made it really scary and also raising two kids. But I also knew that I would work again. You know, I, I, I could get a TV job if I wanted to, you know, regardless of what it looked like. And so it was still very much a gamble, but, um, I had an idea of what I wanted to build and the podcast wasn't really even a front runner as far as, I guess, like the, top of the list of things I was going to do when I left. But shortly thereafter, it became the most obvious thing that I could do. I love that you say you had the security in yourself because I feel like that's been my one, like if it all goes to shit, I know I can rebuild and do something else, right? If my And it's like almost like that's more important to have that innate sense of I can do something, I'll figure it out. Sometimes it's more important than having a year's income in your bank account, you know, like, and so many people are scared to take a leap. And obviously I agree with you, you should have a plan, but I think it needs to start with that security in yourself for sure. Yeah. I think it's like, it's almost kind of twofold. It's, it's on the one hand, yes, you have to have a practical idea that you can execute to some degree, right? By the way, none of us know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? We always have to be prepared for anything can happen at any time. Shit hits the fan. You know, there are no guarantees in life, right? And I actually don't love to attach 
to things too much. I think we miss a lot of the beauty in life and a lot of the the kind of random opportunities that will come our way if we're too holding too tightly and trying to control our shit so much. I think we miss a lot of the 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 miracles that life has for us. I really, really do. So, but yeah, you have to be practical. You have to have a plan. You have to have some kind of outline of of what you want to do for yourself. But the other part of that is, yes, it is about self-worth. I mean, at the time, so much of it, so much of the conversation is like, where does your esteem come from? Where does your confidence come from? Where, what is your self-worth and what does that look like? And why, how does one get that? Like, I think as women, we're always kind of questioning ourselves. That's natural. We all have, you know, insecurities to some degree. We're all scared to do things on certain days. You know, some days we feel unstoppable, like true super women. And other days we feel, you know, small and maybe incapable. I think that is for sure probably every woman walking the planet. But at the end of the day, when you really, really get still with yourself and you think about what you are capable of, we all have that power, however that looks for each of us. And it's one of the things I've kind of been preaching on my podcast right now. I just released this episode, you know, the seven things you can do right now to make this the best year of your life. And it's like one of them is like tap into that infinite power. It's not just even power. Like we're awesome. Like we are kick-ass women. We can do this. We can do that. But like infinite power. Like sometimes I think I don't even dream big enough. Like I, I'm still dreaming a little safe right now, you know? And so I'm trying to really lean into like going even beyond what I think I can reach or accomplish or do in the next, you know, six months, or that's kind of like in front of me that I can actually see as a reality. And I'm going even beyond that. Like I'm not messing around in 2023. Like let's all get into that infinite power and go even bigger than than what we've told ourselves. You know what I mean? I do. And I love it. And I'm inspired by it. I, I was with a woman who I had interviewed on the podcast, Meg Epstein, and she has like $2 billion under development in Nashville of properties. And she was just telling me about how she sort of reframes her year in the beginning of the year. And I was like, damn, I need to up my game because <laughs> it's going for $3 billion. Like it was just like, yeah. you know, we need to strive for bigger because that, that just sometimes secures the basics, right? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, unleash it, ladies. You know, it's like we have permission to like really expect like major abundance and supreme health and like that stupid like saying we can have it all. We'll never have it all, but we can have, I think, more than we're even allowing ourselves to declare as things that we want and need. And so I'm going for it this year. I'm just going to, I'm putting it all out there. I I was kind of like in 20, you know, after leaving E, I have been in this stage of rebuilding and I've been going through so much, I guess, professionally, but also personally. I mean, personally, I have had such a shift in the last five years. And I I look back at, I guess, that act one at E and being on TV every day and kind of being more attached to my ego and what I needed to accomplish and who I was, what my identity was and all of this for that like stage of my life. 
And now I'm like really going in and I'm getting far more introspective. And I, I've done a lot of healing um, with just, you know, old crap that I hadn't really dealt with in my life. And I've done a lot of therapy and like I've read so many books. And so I've, I've been kind of away, I guess, um, kind of in this bubble of just working on myself. And so that's been, by the way, very necessary and wonderful, but I'm just starting, like, I feel like this uptick going and this whole, like, kind of something this year, there's some stuff percolating there. I'm really wanting to now kind of get into action and, and get back at what I think I'm supposed to contribute. So a lot kind of, I feel like I'm in a little transitional period. I think probably a lot of people feel like that at the beginning of the year. Yes, for sure. I love that. I'm excited. I'm excited to see Big Cat. Hey, she's coming. (laughs) So for my listeners, what should they expect from your podcast? And what is the name and who do you interview? Tell us everything about it. What should they expect? I have literally no idea. No, I'm just kidding. The joke is that like you don't know what you're getting week to week. However, um, the name of the show is It Sure Is a Beautiful Day. And that name kind of kind of came, you know, mid-pandemic. You know, we've seen a whole lot in the last couple of years. And I, I really just felt like people wanted or needed or craved returning to joy. So it is a, it is an uplifting podcast um, for sure. That is just kind of the essence of me. I'm an eternal optimist. So, um, but I, 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 it's kind of a, a whole hybrid of things. Sometimes I have on fabulous founders like yourself, you guys, Rebecca's been on the show, go back and listen to it. A lot of founders, some amazing female authors, um, a lot of them in the self-help space, you know, how can we be our best? How can we be the most impactful? Hearing their stories. I've had wonder, I've had everybody from Scarlett Johansson, who's now in the skincare game on the show, actors, celebrities, chefs, I mean, you name it. So it's kind of a, a, it's a whole offering of all kinds of different people. I guess the one through line is, you know, people do get vulnerable on the show. And I, I think most people walk away feeling a little better and a little inspired. So that's my goal at the end of the day. I also have been sharing a ton about myself, which is very different for someone who's asked the questions their whole career, their whole life. So I'm, I'm, my solo episodes tend to do really well. So I'm going to just kind of keep letting it all hang out. I think it, it kind of gives people permission to do the same. We all feel a little less alone when we're a little more connected over real life stuff. So you hear about my boyfriend, you hear about my family, you hear about all the things. So, um, I'm really, leaning into the midlife piece also. So for any of your listeners who um, are kind of in this 40, 50 range and, you know, all all that comes with being a woman at this season of life, I am fascinated by and I'm really hell-bent on helping women feel comfortable in their bodies at this period of life. Um, So we talk a lot about that too. I love it. And when you had to get real and raw for yourself, how did you let go? How did you just bear all? Hmm. Well, one of the things I love about the podcast, and I'm sure you feel similarly because it's like, you can do it from anywhere. You can do it in your bed if you want. You know, like you can just be so cocooned up and safe. I think I... I used to, I just built a studio in my house, which I love, but I used to do my shows, my solo episodes, literally from my bed. And I had went through a really 
difficult breakup. And like I said, I was doing all this work on myself and I wasn't dating and I was like super, um, I, I was, I was super raw. It was like the only thing I could do at the time. And I, I, there's just something so nice about the freedom of being in your bed, having your little mic, sipping on your tea. And I don't know, this, I had this unlock. Um, I was telling the story about getting to the other side of my toxic relationship. And I full on just like started crying into my mic in my bed and talking about that experience. And, you know, it wasn't easy, but it was true. It was very, very, I mean, you can't get more, I guess, authentic than that. And I was a little nervous, obviously, to share that with people. Um, But again, you know, the moment you do, the moment you are vulnerable, the moment you kind of like take off the mask, all of us, people love that shit. You know, it's like, thank you. Enough with the the masks and the filters and the perfect life and the perfect grid and all that stuff. Um, and so, yeah, it did really, really well. And people just, I heard, I had such a wonderful response to that and people sharing the episode with others. And so, yeah, that kind of propelled me to kind of continue doing that when it makes sense. I feel like it's much easier to be vulnerable in an audio setting versus I hope I'm not saying anything out of line, but when I see people crying on Instagram, it drives me crazy. <laughs> you know, like I think talking into something and 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 hearing the words and the emotions is so much more well received, at least by me, than like someone being like, record. Okay, cue the cry, you know? I am so with you. I am. I, I I do agree with that. It's like, wait, how are they actually recording themselves crying? That how how organic can that be, right? I agree with you. I like how is that captured? This whole meltdown, but it just suddenly is on Instagram. Oh no, I, I I know that that that's interesting. I am blown away by. I am with you on that, but I am blown away by how many people seem to still connect with that because the people that are doing that seem to have. Mass- Massive audiences often. And I'm like, wow, well, people must want to see it. I don't know. Um, but yes, audio is audio is God. It's um, it's it's the future. I mean, listen, people look at this. I mean, you know, everybody's got a podcast now. We're all listening to this information. We're listening to stories. We're listening to, you know, we can be educated while we're driving, while we're cooking, while we're, you know, I do love this medium. I really do for all of the reasons that it exists. Um, so I'm just, I'm grateful for the space because it's allowed me to, to start a new business. I do record video, which is, I'm not going to lie, like it takes me back to my TV days in that I know audiences still want to see video. I, I'm told over and over again, Kat, you got to do clips, you got to do video, which should come really naturally to me, but it definitely requires a different muscle and it definitely requires like there's an awareness. And so it does take away, I think a little bit, you know, like, of course I'm like, how's my lighting? How do I look? You know, like, so I don't, it's like, it's a love hate with the odd, with the video element today for me. Like I have to kind of get over it. It's been an exercise because I don't have full glam, you know, like I had when I was on TV every day. So I just have to like, let it be and, and appreciate that most people, that's what they want to see anyway. And let go of that. Yeah. I think for me, I gave up on video when all my guests were like, do you cover, not all, but I had a series of guests being like, do you cover hair and makeup? And I was like, I'm out. 
<laughs> I do know it's important. I do know it's it's the future and I need to do that this year. Right. But wouldn't it be nice if we did if we all just didn't like I like I thought you and I were on vid- audio video today, I should say. And so, you know, but I spent like 12 minutes doing my makeup this morning. It's not a big deal. Um, it'd be nice if like we could all get to like the light, easy, maybe just a little, you know, tinted moisturizer and call it a day. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> oh, so nice. I mean, I, I would love that. So before we wrap, my two questions for you is what is a piece of advice you'd like to leave everyone with that you either learned the hard way or someone gave to you that you appreciated? This one comes up a lot, but it's still so true for me. And it's take off the velvet handcuffs. Um, I had a, a news director, a female news director in my early, early days. It was back at that time when I wasn't... <laughs> There's a theme here. I wasn't thinking big enough or vast enough or wide enough about the possibilities of what is possible in my life. And she was like, Kat, take off the velvet handcuffs. I think sometimes we we chain ourselves to an identity or a job or, you know, what whatever our lives look like that maybe is too safe. Um, and so I just encourage everybody to just drop it. I'm still working at it, you know, 20 years after that advice, 25 years after that advice. So I, I think sometimes we are the ones who limit ourselves. We are the ones who, you know, prevent ourselves from moving forward and not just moving forward, but like I said, like imagining the biggest, most peaceful, most joyous life possible. So take them off. I love it. And what would we be surprised to know about you? Mm. Mm. <laughs> the first thing I thought is that I really burp a lot. <laughs> That's literally what came to mind. I am seeing a doctor this month. I'm like, do I have reflux? I have been burping all the time. How's that for being honest? Um, that's not that that's not that sexy of an answer, but I bet no one knows that other than my kids and my boyfriend. <laughs> well, that's better than farting a lot, which is me right now with this face. <laughs> Well, thank you again. And everyone who is listening, please download and listen to Kat's podcast. It's absolutely wonderful and a great source of tapping into your infinite in the new year. Yes. Yes. We got this. We got this. Thank Thank you, babe. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithms. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next week.